Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Magic is power. All right, now I'm recording. This has been a nightmare, listeners. This is not a good night. All right, this is going to be a short episode. <laughs> we haven't recorded first... for 45 minutes. Yeah, we've been recording. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, our legacy Sherpa, bringing us up the treacherous mountain path that we call the legacy format. It's Jerry me. What's up, Jerry? Oh, man. We're all going to die in an avalanche. We are going to. I mean, yeah, that's how this night's going so far. It's been horrible trying to get this recording going uh, yeah uh big sorry I tried i i feel adam is the cursed the cursed tosi we tried having our friend alan wallace back on the cast but uh <laughs> technical difficulties prevented that and then pats was not working i it's the cursed night yeah it's, it's been awful we started we did this ep- we did this intro already and then i realized my <laughs> my audio wasn't recording for some reason it's it's fitting it's the it's the first uh night of october pat yeah it's very spooky for the spooky. month the month of Halloween. As Spooky it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we got a lot to go. Well, no, that's not true. We have a very little amount to go over tonight <laughs> because our original plans kind of got thrown out the window. Um, we are doing the uh, Bulk for Charity Drive still for the uh, Children's Orchid and Transplant Association for Wesley. Check it out on the Facebook page. Uh, we are auctioning off a Scrubland. Yes. Yes. So good job. Good job. Pat. That <laughs> we, that is going on. So uh, get on that. Um, donate. Uh, wh- how many entries do we have on that right now, Jerry? Uh, I did not take a account, but we got some. Uh, we got some solid showing. Uh, definitely more spots available. Uh, but yeah, uh, people have been turning out. I think we should be able to crack uh, the two thousand dollar mark. Dope. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, we have a few things we're going to go over tonight. This is going to be a shorter episode because, well. It's just been it's been a long day and uh it's one of those the, days. This is like the sixth time we're recording this episode, so our our uh our patience is is wearing a little thin. But we love you guys. We love all you people who listen to us, so we're gonna get something out there for you guys to, to fill your sweet, sweet eardrums uh on this beautiful Friday that you're listening to us. Hell yeah. What do we got first on the docket, Pat? Uh all right, well we're gonna talk about your stifonaut list, Jerry. This is something that you've been oh. working on. Um and it's something what we should uh, we should talk about because it's kind of interesting. So why don't you run down the list for us and tell us? Uh, You're not going to say it's amazing, Pat. I'm going to say it's a deck. It has 60 cards in the main and 15 in the sideboard. Um, there's actually some interesting cards in the sideboard. I want to talk to you about. It does look like you have five copies of Thoughtseize, so we might have to talk about that. <laughs> that is not possible. Uh, so tell me about the deck here. <laughs> and all your mismatched basics. Oh my god! Uh, no, those basics are all a. Ri- uh, they're oh yeah, they are mismatched. <laughs> <laughs> you got like full art unglued. I got Guru Forest, Guru Island, and then unhinged swamp. <laughs> <laughs> Scrub. Sorry. Sick. Love it. Love it. Well, let's talk about this deck because it's actually utilizing some brand new cards. Yes. Yes. Uh, this is something I've been messing around with. We mentioned it on the last cast. Uh, people seemed interested, so wanted to share it with all you guys. Uh, I've been testing this uh, against uh, my local play group and running it through some gauntlets, testing it against various decks and legacy. And I kind of made this as a meme deck. I was not expecting it to go anywhere, <laughs> uh, but it actually had a higher win rate than I was expecting. That said, I do not think this is going to take 
take down a GP. I do not think this is going to take down an SCG, uh, but it's definitely a fun FNM deck that you'll get some laughs out of, and you can just do some crazy stuff with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it uh, bringing it back. One of my favorite cards, Phyrexian Dreadnought. We have talked. I remember talking about this this card uh, on one of the first casts I was on with you guys way back in somewhere in yeah. the mid thirties, early forties, um, <laughs> because I had never heard of what Phyrexian Dreadnought was. Nineteen thirty or forty? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and uh, we and in I saw the card and I'm like, oh, this looks really good. And then I realized uh, the drawback on the card, and I thought, oh, this is really bad. It just forces you to essentially. Always two for one yourself to get this card going. <laughs> but this deck has a lot of really cool ways to kind of, uh, uh, what's the best way to put it? A, a lot of cool ways to take advantage of the Phyrexian Dreadnought kind of mm-hmm. kind of package. So tell us a little bit about how this deck is going to yeah. operate. Well, what I love about Phyrexian Dreadnought is throughout the history of Magic and Legacy especially, Phyrexian Dreadnought has gone in and out of uh, playability. And it's really cool because it just it changes the combo. It's one of those cards that gets it's a combo piece um, that has had a lot of things to interact with it over the years. So originally it was like illusionary mask, which is this um, artifact uh, from I think it's like either antiquities or something like that. That is just a wall of text. It's just yeah. a wall of text. Is that the one that lets you essentially morph you, creatures? Yeah, it lets you morph creatures, but then turn them over for their casting cost. But then you sacrifice. I I do. You want me to read the card? I, <laughs> I just pulled it up. Do you want me to read it? I don't think we want to read it. Now it's not worth it. It's honestly yeah. not worth it. It's a basically what it allows you to do is cheat in Phyrexian Dreadnoughts. That's all you need to know about Illusionary Mask. Right. Um, and then, I mean, that was kind of a meme deck in in the years, even before I think memes were invented. <laughs> um, uh, and it was fun, but then it kind of fell out of favor. Then around uh, Legions, or uh, I think it was Scourge. Yeah, Scourge. Uh, Stifle was printed, which mm. was the first time you could uh, counter an actual, instead of a spell, you were actually able to counter a trigger or activated ability. And the reason why this matters with Phyrexian Dreadnought is Phyrexian Dreadnought's a one-mana 12-12. That trade-off is you have to sacrifice 12 power. So, right. you know, the way Richard Garfield intended it, uh, you know, magic to be played, you would play Phyrexian Dreadnought and you would sacrifice, you know, 12 elves in order to right. turn it into a Phyrexian Dreadnought. Right. But Stifle lets you counter that entire interaction and uh, just keep the 12-12. That was a combo basically until Abrupt Decay was printed. Abrupt Decay pretty much put the nail in the coffin of Phyrexian Dreadnought, and we haven't really seen it since. Mm-hmm. Uh, until we got a little toy in uh, Return to Ravnica. It's fitting that Abrupt Decay being printed in Return to Ravnica killed Phyrexian Dreadnought, <laughs> and coming back around full circle, we're getting Guilds of Ravnica, Ravnica 3, Ravnica Harder. Right. Uh, we get the answer to um, <laughs> maybe dust off our Phyrexian Dreadnought copies. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about this answer that we have. Lazav, my boy. Uh, he's he's sweet. So, I mean, Lazav, it's a new card. Uh, from Guilds of Ravnica, it's a blue and a black for a one three. I mean that right there. Okay, you can block. I've I've no you know, like all right for no yes a one saying a one three. Well, I, well no. Yes, it's relevant. It is one hundred percent relevant because yeah. it blocks Thalia's. It blocks young pyromancers. Like they're against a lot of decks in the format. Being a one three actually matters for chip damage. It sure. is. 
It's sure, not going like, to stop at a Tarmogoyf. It's not going to stop uh, Eldrazi. Actually, so I played against Eldrazi. I was uh, stopping the Mimics when he, when they didn't have an Eldrazi to play. So it right. just blanked those cards. Against sure. Death and Taxes, it blanked uh, Thalia, which otherwise would be chipping in for damage. Baby Thalia. Against, oh, well, yeah. I mean, not, yeah. The, oh, you mean the one that sees play? Yes. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Thalia. That, hey, are we, one. if we're going to talk about Lazav the Multifarious, right. we don't need to limit yeah, our I'm, conversation to cards that actually see play, okay? True, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not God. I am such in a precarious position with this with this episode because this is not like a great deck, but I definitely think it's a deck that you can take down FM with. Yeah, and well, honestly, like we talk about tier one decks every week, so having something that's a little bit more fun, a little bit I don't know what the term is for Johnny. Is that what they are? Yeah, definitely uh, Johnny. So whatever. I'm going <laughs> to feverently feverently defend this Johnny deck to the, my death. Yeah, that's and that's fine. Like every deck has its place, man. You know. So yeah. Um, all right. So but, so I tell mean, me, anyways, the main point besides it just being a blocker is its ability. So first of all, when it comes into play, it gets to surveil, which is right. you know surveil one, which is actually super useful. Yeah. Especially I've, mm-hmm. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Good. Tell me your experience. I was just going to say I haven't had any ex- personal experience, but um, I have heard a lot of people say that surveil is like a really really good ability may may, like on the borderline of being too good but not there like that's exactly where you want that ability to be right like just on the borderline of being too good it is so much better than scry like scry is already a good mechanic surveil Mm -hmm. is just insane like i can see why they didn't uh, print a surveil cantrip because it would be broken like preordain preordain surveil i don't think they would have to immediately ban it in modern Mm -hmm. well like surveil is just it gives you the extra ability to uh, like either you get to get rid of a card like like scry lets you essentially get rid of a card like bottom a card right but this lets you you know, keep a card on top or bin a card where you could have access oh, to it scr- in a lot of these eternal formats. Yeah, Scry lets you put it in the bottom, which is, for the most part, just out of the game. Putting, yeah. putting a card on the bottom of your library is almost equivalent to putting it into exile. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's actually a better analogy, I guess. Yeah, it's almost like putting it into exile, whereas this card like lets you keep it on top or you get to bin it, in which case you have a lot of ways to access that card while in the graveyard in this format, right? Yeah, so what I was finding with this deck is I was, you know, getting the, like, what I would think is the Magic Christmas Land of surveilling a dreadnought to the graveyard playing Lazav and copying it on turn three actually would happen uh, pretty often because yeah, I would set it up with ponders and brainstorms and mm-hmm. I would just set it up in a way I'm like okay um, turn three or like turn two I pondered or brainstorm set up the Lazav Phyrexian dreadnought uh, combo on top of my library play the Lazav uh, surveil dreadnought into my graveyard pay one extra turn Lazav into a 12-12 right because what we have neglected to mention is Lazav's main ability the reason why you play him (laughs) (laughs) yeah we keep going over the surveillance mechanic uh pay x uh lazav the multifarious becomes a copy of target creature card in your graveyard with converted mana cost x except its name is lazav it's legendary in addition to its other types and it has this ability so for uh you get a 12-12 Phyrexian Dreadnought, but Phyrexian Dreadnought, because it's when it comes into play ability, mm-hmm. it never triggers. Right. Lazav is already in play. The EOTB trigger never takes place. You just get a 12-12 for three with right. Trample. Did you just call an EOTB trigger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And enter the battlefield. EOTB. I'm wearing, no, no, let's just move on. <laughs> So that's pretty sweet. I actually really thought that was a cool the thing. That I didn't, I didn't, right. <laughs> I didn't realize uh, about this. I, I guess I didn't consider this card when we were going through the uh, the guilds of the uh, or guilds of Ravnica 
uh, spoilers. So that is really interesting. Um, what about some other pieces that kind of hold this deck together? So you're running like four brainstorm, four ponder, um, four yep. stifle. Uh, four, four force of will four days so that's what the right. other axis this deck functions on so you're also still running the stifle combo mm-hmm. because you can just it, when the opportunity presents itself uh, which comes up actually pretty often um you can also just stifle dreadnought like the original combo is still relevant yeah yeah for uh, sure and um, it has some collateral damage when it comes to stifling fetches like not that that's what you want to do but occasionally that does get you out of some precarious yeah. situations i'm sure the biggest um, problem with Stifle Dreadnought... Oh, yeah, I mean, Stifle just as a as its own card is great because the deck also has a land destruction aspect to it mm-hmm. that we'll get into. But um, So you can Stifle Dreadnought. The reason why you don't usually want to Stifle Dreadnought, though, is because then they Fatal Push it or Abrupt Decay it, and you choose sure. for one yourself. Right. Reason, well, that's, that's always been the issue with Phyrexian Dreadnought, right? That's always been the issue, and that's why Lazav is so much, uh, so much of an upgrade for the deck is it's no longer a two-for-one risk. Mm-hmm. Putting Phyrexian Dreadnought into your graveyard is much easier um, with Lazav, and Lazav just copies it. So even if they answer the Lazav, yes, you lost your Lazav, but as soon as you draw another Lazav, you get to copy that same Phyrexian Dreadnought in your graveyard. You still right. have half the combo assembled. Right. And what what are the chances that you just play Phyrexian Dreadnought and then, and then sacrifice it immediately? Oh, that al- <laughs> yeah, that also happens. Like sometimes, okay. sometimes you're like, oh, I have Lazav. My opponent has either no cards in hand or I have a million counter spells in hand because it does run four force of will, four days and two spell pierce. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you're just like, fucking, I'm just going for it. Yeah. So I'll right. just play the Phyrexian Dreadnought, let the trigger resolve, send it to my graveyard, copy it with Lazav, swing in for 12. Hmm. Okay. Um. So that's interesting. You're also running the Singleton Reanimate. Yeah, so the reanimate is honestly a fifth copy of Lazav because you run into those situations where Lazav obviously has a huge target painted mm-hmm. it on its head. You're okay with Lazav's going down, and then you just reanimate and bring him back. You can also just use reanimate for value because also in this deck is four Baleful Strix. Mm-hmm. Um, because Baleful Strix I really like in this deck because it gives you a wall early to kind of temper early aggression from mm-hmm. uh, you know some of the the more aggressive decks in the format. Um, but it also allows you to just kind of get value off of it with reanimate. And then also Lazav can copy Baleful Strixes when you need them to just to give it flying. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Um, also like the fact that they replace themselves and are a uh, pitchable, right. pitchable blue card for forest and are also a pseudo removal spell in and of itself mm. makes Baleful Strix a very powerful card. It's, one of my, one just, of my favorite cards. Yeah. It's just so much value in this deck. And I mean, yeah. that's, that's what the deck uh, really grinds on uh, because you sometimes lose a bit of value with stifles mm-hmm. and with the dreadnoughts. Um, you just can kind of need to eke out a bit more advantage elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but the other kind of what I was alluding to earlier, this deck uh, also operates on a land destruction package because it, it it's running four wasteland four stifle, the days, the spell pierce, and then also four assassins trophy, mm-hmm. which more often than not are also just sinkholes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's a two mana sinkhole, right? Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> um, and then you know the rest of the deck is held together with the cantrips, the four ponder, four brainstorm, and then the other spicy one of that I keep going. At first it was three, and three was too many, mm-hmm. so I went down to one. But now I feel one is too few. Is hmm. Varrels. Um, Varrels is from, uh, I think it was either Gatecrash, but it was like the last Ravnica. And mm-hmm. when this card was printed, people tried to make it in Phyrexian Dreadnought, but then they just they gave up because it, it had the same downfall. Is- yeah, you're going to have to explain something to me because I actually don't know what the keyword scavenge means. Scavenge is a sweet keyword. So yeah. yeah. Varrels is one black green for a 2-2. Two, two, and the reason why it's only a one of is three mana was just too much mm-hmm. to then pay for the costs. 
Uh, each creature in your graveyard has scavenge. The scavenge cost is equal to its mana cost. Um, scavenges, you exile a creature from your graveyard, pay its mana cost, and then put that many uh, plus one, plus one counters on a creature you control. So wait, that, wait, wait, hold on. Say it again. So you pay so, the creature's mana cost. So you, like, you pay one for Phyrexian Dreadnought. Yeah, pay one for Phyrexian Dreadnought. Yep. Exile Phyrexian Dreadnought from your right. graveyard. Put 12 plus one plus oh, one counters okay. on a creature you control. Equal to its power. Power. Y- yes. Or toughness. Yeah. So that's how, like, with this deck, I would get, like, go, like, Baleful Strix for the slow setup. <laughs> Valraz. Scavenge two Dreadnoughts onto a Baleful Strix. Swing for 25 in gotcha. the air. The flying death touch. Yeah. The yeah. Emrakul, Emrakul killer. I like yeah. it. <laughs> it. It ate Emrakul on its way to your face. Can you scavenge at instant speed? Uh, I believe so. I'm not 100% sure. I've been using it as sorcery speed, but that would actually be even that much better if it was instant speed. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. It'd be cool to have that as like, I mean, they're not really a combat trick, but it's a pseudo combat trick. <laughs> what I did do in one of the matches is I wanted to kill my opponent that turn, but they had a blocker. So even with trample, Lazav wouldn't kill them. They were on uh, they were on 10 and they had like a 3-3. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I copied Baleful Strix with Lazav, um, swung in, uh, Declare blockers took place so that they couldn't declare blockers and then paid one to turn Lazav into Frexian Dreadnought. So it was a 12 12 <laughs> again and beat them in the face. <laughs> um, or then, like, what I'll do is I'll, if I get Lazav and Valroz in play, I'll copy Dreadnought with Lazav, turn it into a 12 12, then scavenge that same Dreadnought onto Lazav, making it into a 24 24 trampler. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, so, yeah, so the deck, uh, the deck has a lot of fun interactions with it. Um, your biggest downfall, Pat, is freaking surgical extraction. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, how many people are running surgical in their a main? A lot, Pat. So really? many. Oh, in their main, no, no one is crazy enough to do yeah. it in their main other than me. Yeah. Um, but not many people are running surgical in their main. But surgical is in like freaking every every library. Yeah. Uh, sorry, every sideboard. So that's what I was trying to figure out. So when I first made this list, it was kind of a Death Shadow hybrid where it was mm-hmm. also running Death Shadow, which combos much better with Valroz as well. Um, the problem is Death Shadow and Lazav don't go together at all. Like Lazav right. still dies if you're not at a low life total. And trying to shoehorn in Death Shadows into the list, it just turned into a bad Death Shadow list. I'm like, sure. why, why yeah. am I playing this? This is what I want right. to do. So Right, right. I need to find like another creature that's like Phyrexian Dreadnought that has a low casting cost but high power that can kind of fo- be used as a secondary target if they surgical your Phyrexian Dreadnought. All right, so listeners, get on that. Hit up Jerry with all your janky cards. <laughs> there are, yeah, there are a couple. I mean, there's like Hunted Horror, which is black, black for a seven, seven. When it comes into play, your opponent puts two, three, three centaur tokens into play. Mm-hmm. That's that's all right. I mean, it's also a threat that I could just cast and get a seven, seven. But I don't really want to give my opponent two, three, what, threes. What's that creature that if it gets onto the battlefield anyway, other than casting it, you lose the game? Name of that card. Uh, Phage the Untouchable. Phage. Is that a good creature? I mean, but it would you would still have to pay five for Lazav. Oh. Like it needs. Oh to no, have you a... have to pay more than that. It's 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 seven. Oh, is it seven? Is yeah. That much Phage. Fuck, Phage is expensive. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really expensive for a four four. Yeah, I thought it was better than that. Never mind. I mean, the other way to take the deck is instead of just doing Phyrexian Dreadnought, is include more like toolbox creatures. Like I couldn't add an entomb package. 
and then just have Lazav be a toolbox. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's better, though, because you start eating up a lot of space and taking out, you know, the good cards, like your right. dazes, <laughs> your dazes, <laughs> your force of wills. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm just trying to find, you know, another creature that can just be used as backup for Exian Dreadnoughts that's better yeah. than, like, Hunted Horror. Hunted Horror is just not good enough. Death Shadow doesn't work with Lazav. Um, Eater of Days is too expensive. Like that's four mana for like a nine. How does how does Death Shadow not work with with Lazav? Lazav becomes a copy of it. Oh, Picasso, straight up. Oh, so it, it, not that it doesn't work with Lazav. It's that it doesn't. It, it's, it does. It just Lazav dies unless right. you're at a low. It's, unless, it's yeah. just another you know Death Shadow and like shoehorning it to work with death shadow you just turn into a worse version of death shadow you're like sure, yeah. i'm death shadow but i'm also running for dreadnought for some reason yeah. <laughs> um so yeah i mean it's definitely something i want to play around with and i just need to find an answer to uh surgical extraction you also can't really do graveyard hit, uh protection like silent gravestone because then lazav doesn't work because you can't target the creatures so just play four ley line of the void oh no that uh, doesn't work yeah that doesn't <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I meant. I meant. Uh, no, nah, never mind. Uh, don't listen to me. So, Draft Digger's Cage. Yeah. So I'm. I'm at loss for a solution. There yeah. might not be a solution yet. We just have to wait for them to print another Frexian Dreadnought type creature. Hmm. Um, but the deck's definitely fun, and I'm going to tinker around with it. Um, yeah. Fair warning. Like I said, do not expect to take down any GPs with it. But <laughs> it is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I like it. Um. All right. So let's let's move on. Uh, we do have some questions from the Discord channel. The Discord channel is something you can join uh, when you're one of our patrons on patreon.com slash livinglegacy. And we just have like a little, Chill. I just, what's, <laughs> I just added a little page. Uh, yeah. Listen, man, hey, we got to keep the lights on. We have an editor to pay, an awesome editor to pay. Uh, you know, just put a buck on the cast and you can be on pa- part of the Patreon family. Um, so it's just like a little, a little uh, uh, a group chat or, a, you know, a chat room. Um and we're letting people just kind of ask questions on there. I would say like more thoughtful questions than we get in the Facebook page. That's what I asked for. Um, I already had to delete a couple, so I'm trying to take them down as we go. Um, but <laughs> the first one we have from Sharpier, uh, which mentions the Death Shadow deck, actually. We have seen decks like Death Shadow and Hardened Scales see results since the Death Right ban. Uh, what other decks from Modern do you think could see results as a budget option for Legacy? Um, I hear there's this really cool blue-white control deck in Modern that's like Miracles that that could... Oh, yeah. I feel like our friend Lawrence was talking about something about blue-white control in Modern. Yeah, maybe that could port over to Legacy. Who knows? Maybe. Just maybe. If you can find like a a substitute for Hallowed Fountains, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Man, (laughs) trolls. Um, uh, Honestly, I don't know just because I don't know what other like cool decks in Modern are. Like, uh... I saw the hallowed, the hollowed one uh, at the GP, uh, not the GP, the Pro Tour mm-hmm. when they did the team trio, uh, not team trio, but yeah, the three event, uh, three. Wow, I cannot talk tonight. The three the guys, Pro guys. Tour. So this is like the fourth episode we've recorded tonight, so you have to, you have to give us a little bit of slack here. Uh, the the three format Pro Tour. I saw the hollowed one list. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like something like that, like a more explosive. Um, version of kind of uh, like Zombardment can mm-hmm. really port over the uh, Stitcher's Apprentice. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that for a hot minute in leagues on Magic Online. People were playing like a Jund version of that with like uh, Hollowed ones. Um, so if if that's a deck you have in Modern, I definitely think that is a deck that uh, could see some play in uh, in Legacy. Just because anything that does something broken and for free generally has a place in Legacy, at least in some niche corner. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't really have like a lot of opinions on it because I don't follow modern at all. Um, it's just not a format that I have a lot of interest in. But I'm I'm always up for like decks. Pour- I mean, I think like in general, aggressive decks are probably more likely to pour over from modern into legacy, right? Yeah, um, we should have uh, we should have the turn one thoughts these guys on because they are yeah. both modern and legacy players. And uh, Aaron, I know, is constantly sending us things so- from modern where he's like, "Good enough for legacy." I and- will, I will <laughs> say that Aaron was the first person I saw. This was back in GP Vegas at 2017, who mm-hmm. brought Death Shadow to a legacy event. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he, he was ahead of the curve on that for sure. Right? He definitely call that. I also think he has a bit of a shotgun effect because he also just sends us so many things. Like, <laughs> good, good enough for legacy? And we're like, no. It's like a, bro- a broken clock's bound to be right twice a day kind <laughs> right. of thing. Right. But uh, I'm sure they have uh, they have some great ideas, him and Zach. Uh, so we should have them on uh, talk about some modern to legacy ports for uh, you modern players looking to kind of dive into the format. Yeah. Or if, like, or if you're just feeling really bad about yourself, people who can go from legacy into modern. <laughs> yeah those people too <laughs> yeah i can't i can't i can't i can't <laughs> um all right well, right let's move on to our next question uh from our friend rich what pet card do you wish was legacy playable unearth <laughs> i still i argue that unearth is still a legacy playable card like this list that we just talked about it's the perfect list for unearth all your mm-hmm. stuff costs below three <clears throat> you can cycle it for value I still went with reanimate. If this list doesn't want unearth, uh, unearth, what list does? Why reanimate over unearth? Because I can target my opponent's graveyard. That's the only reason. Hmm? That's the main reason. I mean, well, the thing is, is like unearth uh, can only target things under three. Well, things right. under three are usually things I don't care about losing life that much. Like I don't right. mind reanimating a baleful strix and losing two life. That's a hmm. trade I'm fine with. Yeah. Um, Unearth does it for free, but I just like having that option because we didn't get to it, but I'm running four Thoughtseize in the sideboard of this list. Right, right. I, I figured it wasn't worth going down the sideboard. Yeah, the thought, you know. the sideboard I just kind of threw together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just the the Thoughtseize uh, plus Reanimate, like you can just get your opponents. Like again, Sneak and Show or Reanimator, just, oh, Thoughtseize your Grizzle Brand, Reanimate it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the combo deck now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I guess I can see that for being like some some value. How often are you going to be able to reanimate your your opponent's creature under them, like from out from under them? Especially Not as often, but if it happens list. once in a tournament, it's worth it over on Earth. Like, yeah. how often are you going to cycle yeah. on Earth? Fair, fair. Like, yeah, you're going to want to cycle on Earth in like some situations where you have like a, a, a mediocre hand, but you don't want to go to six or five. But other than that, like I just feel the the option of targeting my opponent's graveyard is greater than the option of cycling. Mm. Okay, fair enough. So I can I, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I wish Unearth was playable. I just I I have searched and searched and searched, and I just can't find a home for it. Yeah. Um. I think like currently my my pet obsession uh was Bloodwater Entity <laughs> being I don't playable. Even know what that card does. <laughs> so Bloodwater Entity is uh let me see if I remember it. it's a it's a one blue red for a two two flying I wanna hold on I'll I'll look it up. I want to say it's a shapeshifter but I could be wrong. Hold also, on let's see. Uh, looking, sorry it's wh- one it's one blue red for a creature elemental. It's a flying it has prowess it's a two two but when it enters the battlefield, you can put target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library. And I just wanted to play. I wanted to play a deck with four of those and four uh, thunderous wraths. 
<laughs> Honestly, have like, you heard of Brainstorm, Pat? <laughs> but this puts it from your graveyard. Ways to put cards on top of your library. But it puts it from your graveyard on top of your library. Think about how good this would be with Surveil. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But in order to put it from your graveyard on top of your library, you have to cast it in the first place, or you have to discard the hand size. I mean, there's that. <laughs> Great plan. Great plan. <laughs> um, you, I mean, listen, if you're running four copies of of uh, of of Thunderous Wrath and you're running Brainstorms and Ponders, like you're going to get at least one or two of those off in a game, at least. <laughs> true, true, true. Um, also, to head the trolls off at the pass, Pat, I'm going to say I wish Phyrexian Dreadnought was legacy playable because <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm going to get comments about that. Oh, so he heading, smelled it. He smelled heading, it coming. <laughs> Heading them all off at the pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last one from Ildrian. Uh, what is your understanding of a healthy meta? And was mm. the Deathrite Shaman meta really unhealthy only because multiple tier one decks contain Deathrite Shaman? Now, this that's, is, I oh, mean, this could be an episode fucking, in and of, this could be an episode in and of itself. Yeah, that's a fucking good question. Yeah, it really is. Because, um, so I'm going to say unequivocally that we are in a much better meta right now than we were when Deathrite Shaman was a card. Um, I think Man, that all those de- all those years I spent trying to convince you of the truth, Pat. <laughs> I'm just saying that you were you were wrong. I was right. That Death Rush album was a problem. And I'm glad it got banned. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Let's go back what, and let, let's play. Let's play the replay. No, don't worry about it. Just let's just 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 trust me. This, this is what we call revisionist history. Um, <laughs> but I I do think that one of the issues with Death Rush Shaman, um, besides it being an extremely powerful card, uh, is that it did too many good things uh for too little a cost right like the cost of i a think re- i think i think that's rehashing like we know we know why death rate Shaman was a problem but yeah. it's just like I, what i was really thinking about this question a lot earlier because mm-hmm. it I, I i honestly don't know how i can answer this is you know what was it about the meta that made it unhealthy because by the dictionary definition or the wizards or the morrow definition of a healthy meta mm-hmm. it seemed like it was checking off all the boxes which is why i feel it took so long to convince people of the problem do you mean because it was like a mid-range deck that was the like the dominant deck in the format and like that's kind of what you want to be the yeah. best deck it was and also just like because Death Rachama was so good and it went in so many different decks, we were seeing lots of different decks. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like it wasn't like the Flash like Flash Hulk was an obviously unhealthy meta because seventy percent of the decks in the room were playing Flash well, Hulk. That, yeah. Like yeah. that is obvious. Well, that is a broken can, meta that can't stand. Can That's we say stand. that Death Ray Shaman went in a bunch of different decks? Because it was like in Grixis Delver and <laughs> It was everywhere. It was in Elves. Where else was it besides Grixis Delver and Elves? Like well, that see, I feel Check, that is like what, it was in check pile. That's that's what I feel is where it comes down to the problem is that it went in all these different decks, but like you look at them and they're like they all look the same, like Grixis yeah. Delver and check pile. Well, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't call and yes, no, it was just Jund. Was, just like, all right, Jund was not a deck. Like Jund no, was but not like a the deck. play style. Check check pile and Jund are a very similar play style. That's what I'm saying is like these decks that should be very different from each other were just mm-hmm. homogenizing into four four Deathrite Shaman, four Brainstorm, four Ponder, four Force of Will. Yeah. And yes, we still have, you know, the four that's what people's <laughs> arguments are. We're still in that, you know, what makes Deathrite Shaman different from those other offenders of, well, of the everything. Yeah, but I, I also think Deathrite Shaman was just an overpowered card in general. It allowed it allowed Grixis to win games it shouldn't have won. And it was you know again you're right we've 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 rehashed this argument yeah many many times i think getting back to the root of the question in your definition pat what makes a healthy meta so i think what makes healthy meta is i I certainly want a mid-range deck to be 
in the top three decks in the format, personally, like top three or top two decks in the format, only because like mid range decks allow for uh, a greater amount of interesting games to be played. Whereas like control decks, especially when we had top counterbalance was you had so many uninteresting games against against that deck because so often they could lock you out really quickly without it being, you know, they were able to lock out so many decks out of the game without being a chalice deck that naturally has uh, some bad games just because they don't have a way to fix their hands. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, so many times, like because it was a blue deck, it was able to ponder or brainstorm or preordain predict out of bad hands. Whereas like if you're running, uh, you know, goblins or you're running, uh, you know, Eldrazi, like there are going to be hands where you just you're just going to shit the bed because you're not going to have what you need. Uh, you're going to have to mulligan into oblivion. Or you're going to have hands that just don't work. Um, so I, I think, you know, Mir- miracles. I didn't like it being a top deck because it locked people out of the game and it was just <clears throat> super resilient. Had a lot of answers to things. It was an interesting deck to play, I'm sure, but I didn't, didn't think it led for a or gave us a very healthy format. I think Grixis Delver was a lot in the same way. Um, it was just a really uh, it had a, a, answers for pretty much everything in the format. Uh, I think it was held together by Deathrite Shaman. It's still a good deck. Um, obviously, it's still doing really well, but I think it's a little bit uh, creates better gameplay. I think without Deathrite Shaman, um, yeah, I, I think I want to ha- see a mid range deck be one of the top decks in the format when you're talking about a healthy meta game. But I also want to see that like control and combo both have their place, which I think they do right now. I think both decks are well represented. Um, and, you know, I think aggro decks are also out there, too. Like, we still see, like, uh, burn decks doing, like, doing fairly well. You still see uh, a blue-red Delver list can make it in the, in the, into a top eight. You can still see uh, even something like, even though it's more of a combo deck, but, like, even, like, Infect will 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 do something like that. So uh, that's what I want to see. And I want to see some variety. I want to see enough variety. I want to see enough innovation in the format. And I think that since Deathrite Shaman's been banned, we've seen a lot of uh, innovation in the format. We've seen a lot of cool decks come up. Death Shadow's one of them. Um, you know, just keeping the format interesting and fresh and like, is it going to last like that forever? Absolutely not. Like that's part of, that's part of the, the, the game, like lists will be optimized and eventually things are going to settle and then they can remove another card from the format. Hmm. I would say for me, my definition of a healthy meta is not just so much having a variety of decks, though obviously having a variety of decks in the format is good, and being able to play a 9, 10, 11, 12 round tournament and not run into the same deck more than once or twice is definitely a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the variety of Legacy is definitely a big draw of Legacy over something like Standard. You yeah. can see lots of different decks and not get bored like you can with Standard. Um, but for me, the biggest difference between a healthy meta and an unhealthy meta is the amount of space between the tiers. Oh, interesting. Um, For Uh, me, a healthy meta is where a T3 deck can sometimes beat a T2 deck. Not all the time, not even the majority of the time. You know, obviously not um, uh, less than uh, 50% chance of beating it, but it still has that option. You know, 25, 30, 40% of the time, that tier 3 deck will beat a tier 2 deck, and the same for tier 2 and tier 1. That... Yes, tier one is recognized as the better deck, but it's not unheard of for tier two decks to take down the tier one decks. And that, I feel, was my biggest problem with the Deathrite Shaman meta was the difference between decks running Deathrite Shaman and decks not running Deathrite Shaman was too much of a leap. And Hmm. we weren't seeing these tier two decks that weren't running Deathrite Shaman being able to compete with the tier one decks to the point where it almost felt like there wasn't even a tier two. It was just tier one death, right? Shaman and tier three, everything else. 
that's really interesting. I think the the space between the tiers is an interesting concept. I don't know how you quantify that other than feel, like the right. texture of the of the, <laughs> exactly. That the, that's my original point is that yeah. like the death rate shaman meta checks all the dictionary definitions of a healthy meta, but we all recognize after the fact it wasn't. But yeah. it's like this is why we're getting this question. It's like how do we quantify that? Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I I'm trademarking it. Boom. The yeah. space between I, tiers also sounds like a great between, college emo band. <laughs> I mean, the space between, isn't that an actual song? I don't know. Uh, our, our first leaving a legacy album, the hit single is the space between tiers. <laughs> <laughs> we can actually, yeah, that's, that, that has a, uh, an interesting homophone in there. I appreciate that. Um, all right, cool. So that's, that answers our discord questions. We had those three kind of interesting questions that I pared down from a bunch that we got submitted. Um, if you're a uh, part of the Discord, please uh, check out that page and submit your interesting questions. We will talk about it on the cast for sure. Um, there was also a BNR update this week. Uh, no changes to any format, but this was Nothing something happened. Yeah, I read something interesting on Reddit though, and I wanted to kind of pose this question to you because we always talk about um, there are a lot of cards on the Legacy ban list that could be unbanned, right? Yes. Well, okay. I wouldn't say a lot. I would say there are a handful. All right. There. Okay. There's, there's, I would say it's less than five. Okay, so let's let's say there's let's say there's three cards that could be unbanned. Um, yeah, that's fair. So what the, the interesting question that I saw, and I kind of wanted to pose it to you and see, get your thoughts on it, were kind of what are your criteria for unbanning a card? And a lot of times it is it is will this card break the format if we unban it, right? And that's one way of looking at criteria to unban a card. But the other one that I thought was really interesting, and it's something that kind of got me to think about. Uh, or revisit the way that we talked about unbanning possible unbannings was um, would this card improve the metagame by being unbanned? And I just kind of wanted to hear your take on that. Like, how do you prefer to view possible unbans in the format? Um, I mean, I think there's two qualifiers for unbans. One is does it just do nothing in the format? Doesn't really shake it up at all, but is still an interesting, fun tool that people like playing with. Then. Yeah, I think it definitely should be unbanned, and I feel that's something like World Gorger Dragon came into uh, came into play mm-hmm. with, um, where World Gorger Dragon um, isn't uh, really very competitive, but I'm still seeing it at tournaments. Um, and I think someone pointed out at the SCG class uh, open, uh, in like I think either the top sixteen or top thirty two, there was a World Gorger Reanimator deck, mm-hmm. and I've seen it at regional tournament, like hundred man regional tournaments. Um, where we, you know, we'll see this pop up. It's not doing like amazing. It's not the best deck in the room. It's not probably not even the best reanimator deck in the room, but people are having fun with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, obviously those are a slam dunk to unban. And I think there are the cards like that on the reserve list now, like Earthcraft. Um, cards, uh, that I think fall into the other category are cards that potentially have a way to shake up the meta, but might have, uh, a beneficial impact. Uh, where I think something like land tax fell into that, where mm. land tax was, I feel a lot of people thought might have been a risky unbanned, but it ended up not being that important, didn't really shake the meta up, but it was something that kind of stirred controversy for a bit and let people kind of play with it and experiment with it. And, you know, maybe they would break it. You mm. know, I would actually be happy to see them unban a card and then reban it the next banning cycle because mm. that tells me that they're taking risks and they want to you know give us these options and making sure they're not making a mistake with an outdated reserve list. Mm. 
this i sorry i know this is a that earthcraft is a is rare it's a rare right uh it, sure it's a 60 dollar card yeah man jesus christ um, I, it sees some play in EDH, I believe. And then also, I mean, there are people who are just spec like, <laughs> I have like three places of Earthcraft because I'm just waiting for them to unban it, man. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I didn't realize how expensive it was. Anyway. Uh, it's reserve list. Reserve list and bans with a potential of being unbanned. Like yeah. that is a financier's dream right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are lots of people just sitting on hordes of Earthcraft copies. <laughs> I, I thought that was interesting, though, that, you know, uh, will this would this improve the meta over would this break the format kind of kind of query when it comes to unbanning cards? I just thought it was kind of an interesting thought experiment. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, all right. Well, before we get out of here, we do want to kind of plug uh one last time the uh well first of all one last time well sorry <laughs> we got a I, month and a half. Well, no, no, no. I should say so. I I want to plug for one last time. We have Zemet's tournament coming up. Oh, uh, this weekend. Uh, Jeremy's well, tournament is coming up on the sixth. The Duel for Duels. It's a charity event um, down in Missouri. Uh, again, we are so, so sorry we can't uh, can't make it. Um, but uh, Jerry flaked out on me, and it's his, all his fault, so blame him. Um, <laughs> but if you if you get a chance to go down there, it's going to be amazing. There's so many awesome content creators down there, so many great people going. I can't, I can't believe how bummed – I can't explain how bummed I am that we're not going to be able to make it. But unfortunately – uh jerry's a scrub um we also have the <laughs> I also like my job sorry <laughs> this one you do like you oh you yeah won't, you won't quit this one for legacy <laughs> <laughs> don't be a little little bitch quit your job <laughs> come play legacy um we also have the leaving legacy open i'm gonna call it an open i don't care what anyone says uh we have the leaving legacy <laughs> Why, open. So are we giving you shit for calling it an open i think someone did i can't remember um but we are having the leaving legacy open it is going to be saturday november 17th doors are going to open at 11 a.m player meeting at noon 40 bucks guaranteed 2k we are going to be raising the prize support uh in accordance with attendance um, I can't remember the cutoffs, but it goes up to a three and a half K and up to a five K. I think at one seventy five. Um, uh, well, yep, one seventy five, and it's a five K. I believe one fifty or one forty. It is a three and a half K. Yeah, Actually, you know what? I plead the fifth. Don't take that. At yeah, all. I mean that it's it's, it's guaranteed a two K. I would I would be shocked if we didn't hit three and a half K. And I, I wouldn't even say I wouldn't even say that a stretch goal is a five K. I think like it's very reasonable that we do a five K. Um, it is 120, 120. It is a three and a half K. Okay. So and, it's uh, almost for sure going to be a three and a half K. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I definitely think we can hit five K this time. Having Wilson come on up for, yeah, we're having Wilson coming coverage. up for the brainstorm show to do. We're going to be streaming it again on the leaving a legacy Twitch. We will have VODs available after the event. Um, it's going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to have a trophy made up for the event. Uh, Bryant is going to have to come up and claim his from the previous event now. Um, but it's going to be a ton of fun. We had such a blast last time streaming the event. Uh, people seem to really enjoy it. We have uh, tokens being made as little giveaways, which is pretty exciting as well. And uh, I think we learned a lot from the last time we did this stream. So I'm really excited to uh, 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 just you know build upon that and just have a lot of fun with it and, and bring, bring this awesome format to, to the masses, man. Hell yeah. All right. Well, let's get into scoops and poops, and then we'll get out of here. Jerry, who are you scooping in the top eight this week? Oh, man. I'm scooping in my man, Lazav. You know, thank you for letting me play with my favorite creature again. <laughs> he's but just an enabler, Jerry. He's an enabler. He's he's letting me play bad things. Those those are the best friends. 
to the friends that I'll never forget who helped me do the things that I forgot. There was there was a wise <laughs> thing. That was that, that sounds it was on a poster. It was on a poster in my uh, college dorm. I don't remember the exact translations, but yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> sounds about right. How about poops? Who are you pooping on this week? Uh, technology, man. Technology <laughs> sucks. I'm going to poop on Adam for being from the great frozen north and not having any pair of serviceable headphones in his fucking house. Uh, you turn Canadian for a second. Headphones. Headphones. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I got a couple scoops this week. I'm scooping in our friend Connor. Uh, Connor is helping us uh, with some overlays for the tokens that Dios Boss made us. Uh, at Dios Boss on Twitter. Made us some amazing uh, tokens, uh, elemental pyromancer tokens, and then your Karn token, which came out fucking awesome. <laughs> I do love my Karn oh, token. Oh, it's so good. Um, so we're going to have those uh, for giveaways at the LAL event, um, which I'm really excited for. Uh, he's 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 doing a, like, so Dios did, like, the actual artwork for the token, and uh, and Connor's putting some overlays on there, like power toughness, things like that. So and they came out really, really cool. So hopefully get those sent off to the printer this week. Also, uh, as always, want to thank our editor, Justin Lutz. I apologize for butchering your last name last week. And you were so. I've told you multiple times and you just ignored me. And then he emails you. I'm like, oh, I guess I should take it seriously. I don't think Jerry actually. I don't think uh, Justin. Jerry never said anything to me. He never corrected me. He never told me anything. Uh, so I want to apologize for butchering your last name. You were so gracious uh, giving me some some kind guidance on how to Fake say your news. last your last name correctly. <laughs> Fuck you, Jerry. Um, <laughs> uh, so so shout out to Justin. Um, and uh, I don't know if I have any poops this week, honestly. It's been a good week. Man, I got back. I, well, I'm going to scoop another thing in. Well, one more thing. Uh, I got back to the gym today after I had surgery at the end of August. And finally got a chance to get back to back to to jujitsu today, and uh, it felt good to get back in the game. You know what I mean? Oh, it was a good day. Felt I don't, good. I don't know what you mean. Oh, so good. <laughs> it was so good, Jerry. It makes me want to quit magic. It makes me want to just quit magic and just sell all my cards and never have to worry about it again, and just focus <laughs> focus on that one thing. Uh, You'll you'd be back in three months, and you I, know it. No, I don't think I would be. <laughs> I wouldn't I be. You, I think you would be. Here, I'll even let you sell your cards to me. <laughs> that way I can sell them back to you at a 50% speak, increase. Speaking <laughs> of selling my cards, I was talking to my wife the other day, and I said, you know, if anything ever happens to me, I want you to give Jerry my collection. And I was being, this is dead, I'm dead serious right now. And so we can have this for posterity's sake in the po- posterity's sake. Uh, an, uh, an audio will. Yeah, is admissible exactly. in court. <laughs> I said, I want you to give Jerry, not, I want you to, to, hand jerry my collection so he can he can part it out for us because i know he'll get good value for our cards for my for my cards so jerry if i die Man, suddenly that... i want you to know like you're gonna have to handle my estate when it comes to legacy cards i am the executor of your legacy estate yes exactly exactly well i don't want like imagine if my wife took it to like some i'm not gonna name any names but took it to like some some you know some shop who gives me like 30 percent of his value it would be just brutal it would be brutal. <laughs> um, it's true. So I know you get the most value. You get me max value, Jerry. So I would. I when would I get you max when value. I die, when I die, leave a sexy corpse. Uh, you're gonna have to handle my uh, legacy real estate. <laughs> All right, I'll be the executor of your estate, <laughs> both literally and cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, as always, uh, check out the Facebook page if you want to donate to uh, Coda for Wesley. Um, you can also find Jerry at JME three RD on Twitter. Find me at Pat Eagle on Twitter. Uh, the stream is twitch.tv slash leaving a legacy. 
Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash leaving legacy. Every dollar helps. Uh, it helps us keep the podcast going uh, and bring you guys awesome content every week. We appreciate so much our patrons on there. And if you want to join, uh, you can find the link in the show notes. You can also find us on Hipsters, of course. Uh, you can find us, uh, our Facebook group. It's like facegroup.com's face group. Fa- uh, face. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the 12th time we've done this recording today, guys. It's like facebook.com <laughs> slash group slash leaving legacy MTG. Just search for leaving legacy. You'll find it. Uh, you can also email us dick pics, deck pics, uh, and threats to Jerry's physical safety, leaving a legacy at hipsters of the coast.com. <laughs> you can't say that. I'm the executor of your estate. <laughs> uh, also, and again, special thanks, uh, Justin Lutz. Uh, he's our audio tech, our sound engineer, flipping the switches and twisting the knobs. So we sound so crisp and so clean straight to your ears. And uh, we will catch you all next week. And hopefully we'll have Adam on the cast. I mean, we said that <laughs> the last couple of times. It hasn't happened. So don't, <sighs> don't, you know, don't, uh, don't, no guarantees. Good episode. It was, a, it was like, it was like a, a B minus. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Story of your life, Jerry. Uh, I have some bad news, Pat. Uh-oh. I never hit record. Shut up. Yeah, I'm 100% serious. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not. I'm not. Okay, I did. Uh. <laughs> Jerry, I'm not kidding. I'm I'm in my underwear and my shirt right now. I just got up with my keys. I was going to drive to your house and stab you in the fucking throat. <laughs> <laughs> my neighbor just looks out their window mm, i saw that coming <laughs> strange man shows up in a t-shirt and boxers oh my god <laughs> stabs a young man with keys straight to the jugular <laughs> i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna stop my recording and then leave to go murder jerry bye guys <laughs> invisible in court <laughs> executor <laughs>